This is Paul. This is Wayne. Good morning, fellas. Well, hello. Morning. How are y'all? Eh, you know, I'm all right. Yeah. I'm all right. Uh. Yeah. Uh. 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 You, you sound so, less than enthusiastic, Paul. I, he does. Well, because, you know, you know, in Virginia, uh oh, we, we have, um, you know, all of our liquor is available at an ABC. It's not like those Texans that can get their hard liquor at like the corner store or at the Total at, Wine. At the ki- at the kids' uh, little lemonade stand. Yeah, the Toys R Us. Yeah. You can get you can <laughs> delivered get delivered by DoorDash. Yeah, delivered. Well, we can actually do that. <laughs> Total Wine will bring me uh, my my booze via DoorDash, I believe. Nice. Yeah. Well, we we have everything has to be sold via ABC stores, right? It's you know right. government run ABC stores and um, package stores, and so you know they also get an allocation of special bourbons, you know, special special hard to find bourbons like Pappy Van Winkle. Ugh. And uh, this week was the Pappy Van Winkle lottery. So you, the only so they they get an allocation, and you know for example the Pappy Van Winkle. Um, you know, 15, 12 year, uh, they got 966 bottles. And that's kind of the easy to find one. You know, like mm-hmm. I think the 20 year, they had 12 bottles um, across the entire state of Virginia, mind you. Right. And so they, they only give them, they only sell them via lottery. So let me clarify that. They're not giving them away. You enter the lottery for a chance to purchase with your cash this liquor. Now, but are you buying it at retail or is it an inflated price? At retail, which is beneficial, okay. right? Like you are yeah, buying it at right. the MRP or MSRP. Um, and the and the lottery is just you're putting your name in or you having to buy a ticket in this lottery? Thankfully, you're just putting your name in. You just go to the website, okay. put your name in. It's a free lottery. And, um, you know, they, they have an allocation for personal and they have an allocation for licensees. Gotcha. So, you know, restaurants will get their, you know, can get, even restaurants can only get their pappy bottles right via this lottery well i found out this morning i won zero out of the five lotteries aaron zero oh, out of I'm five so sorry <laughs> I'm, you know i gotta tell you had you told me that you had won the pappy v i'd have been in the car heading your direction right i'm just saying because <laughs> <laughs> you know trying to trying to find a a uh, retail bottle of pappy v is practically impossible it is you well know, and they're always being sold well above uh retail well and here's the most disappointing part about this it's one entry per household right so it's not like jen and i can both enter right however jen has a rental property my, <laughs> <laughs> my parents and brother and sister also live in virginia and I have some co-workers in which I have a good rapport that I also asked to enter this lottery for me. So and mysteriously, the they all entered. Yeah. yeah, you gave the system and still lost. Yeah, still lost in in every single aspect. Some I had some friends enter. I had some co-workers enter. I had every family member enter. Um, and uh, not a single winning among them. What, now, what happens, Paul? Let me ask you this. Yes, sir. Your sister enters, right? Yes, and you, you know, you you wind up, you know, visiting with your sister, and you see this half-consumed bottle of Pappy V on her counter. <laughs> I will. What happens to that relationship? <laughs> Dead to me. Dead to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, thankfully, everyone. I think everyone knew that I would call them on their bluff. 
I don't know. Maybe yeah. pe- maybe people know because everyone sent me screenshots of the That's emails. Right. <laughs> like what, I didn't what ask for them. What they were afraid of is that Paul shows up at their house to do an inspection. <laughs> prove prove that you lost. <laughs> well, because you know, in That's the ABC great. lottery, it's not like it's if my sister won. My sister uh-huh. has to go pick it up with her ID at the ABC location closest to her home address. Right. And she lives up in Northern Virginia. So it's all very, like, specific and controlled. But, you know, regardless, it didn't benefit me. Out of out of five different lotteries, I think there's a 10, a 12, a 15, a 20, and I don't know. There's, like, maybe a five-year pappy, something like that. There's, like, a bunch of di- – there's, like, five different kinds. I won zero out of the five. Zero. It seems like all of these relationships you have are bearing zero fruit. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, relationships. I mean, friendships and relationships are really supposed to be mutually beneficial, are they not? I mean, I feel like I feel like I read about that in us, uh, you know, um, in class one, you know, in college, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. See, you and your here, you and your liberal arts degree. <laughs> <laughs> here, if I want to get friends some like rare bourbon, I just go down to the Friar Tucks and. I pay money for it, and it's there. Friar Tux? That sounds fancy. Yeah. It's uptown. That's what that is. That's uptown. <laughs> Think about it, Paul. It's a uh, it's an alcohol store that is basically uh, as big as a grocery store with nothing but alcohol. We have and that for not wine run, and beer. You can buy and wine and beer anywhere. It's not run by your state. Yeah, but then you get the markups. And I think that's the one thing that you know I, I will take being able to purchase Buffalo Trace at a $30 a bottle, you know, versus going into, you know, yep. versus a state where it's going to be $50, the, $60 the, a bottle minimum. It yes. is crazy to me, the rationing on Buffalo Trace right now, because, you know, it ain't that good. <laughs> it blows my mind. I mean, I was at, uh, there is this you know great liquor store that I like in Fort Worth, and I was over there last weekend, and I, I hear this conversation. Now, I rarely seek out Buffalo Trace because I just think there are other better bourbons in the same price category. And I, I hear this conversation, you don't happen to have any Buffalo Trace, do you? Yeah, we don't get our ration until tomorrow. You know, and I'm just like, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, the, the way that Buffalo Trace is just all of a sudden this thing. I'm like, it's, it's not that good. I mean, it's it's a fine it's a fine bourbon. Yeah. And it's if I see it, slot, I will purchase not, it, knowing that I you know that it will be hard to get. But I, I'm not going to pay know, a markup for it. But that's only just now, though, right? I mean, you know, two years ago, before this shortage of Buffalo Trace existed, if you saw it on a menu, and it was it was there, and there wasn't another better bourbon on the menu, you'd go, okay, well, you know, Buffalo Trace is reliable. You know, it's shelf stable. <laughs> you know, uh, I know how that's going to perform. I'll do Buffalo Trace, but this whole I gotta get me some Buffalo Trace blows my fucking mind. Yeah, I don't yeah. get it. I you don't guys know, get it. So you guys know I don't drink, but uh, for Christmas I wanted to get a nice bottle of bourbon for some friends. So I, I did a bunch of research and ended up getting them. Uh, uh, Booker's is the what I ended up getting. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was like an eight, good stuff. eighty eighty dollar bottle. So yeah, good. little did you know, dear listener, that you were listening to a whiskey podcast today. To bourbon with Aaron and Polly. Bourbon with Aaron and Polly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we could turn it into Benifer with Aaron and Polly if we want to talk about Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck getting engaged. Did that happen? That happened yesterday, as of the time of this oh. recording. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not going to work, Paul, because you're the only one that cares. 
I, I care because that's Batfleck. Do you really? Yeah, that's exciting. Good for Ben. Good for Ben. I don't, you know. Ben, ben Affleck is know. a guy who keeps screwing up. He, it's he fails upward. Ben Affleck. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, that, this is this is entirely true. He's like that guy at your he company that chin. you're like he doesn't know anything, but he keeps getting promoted. That's Ben Affleck. Yeah, and from a comic book standpoint, he's played both Batman and a guy playing Superman. Yeah, and Daredevil, which we're going to talk about here shortly. I mean, not Ben Affleck's Daredevil. We're going to talk about the character Daredevil here shortly. But, um, you know, this week, Wayne, you got, speaking of Superman, you got caught up on Superman and Lois this week. Yep, I was a little bit behind on it. Uh, it's frustrating because they take big breaks between some of the episodes. Yeah, and I... I know that's not intentional. They've uh, I've read a, quite a few interviews, and it was COVID-related delays on the set. But it's still frustrating because it means there's a lot of cliffhangers. Yeah. Well, and the just it, it, Superman and Lois uh, has been just a super strong uh, performer. I just I can't get over how they continue to stay out of the CW uh, sand trap. Uh, you know, they, it is not a while there are teenagers in the show, it is not a teenager focused show. Um, I, I I really do dig a lot of the storytelling and I did not think I was going to enjoy, you know, the, the, the villain this season, but I really am enjoying what's going on here. And this, their take on the bizarro world is really interesting. Yeah. And Wayne, when the last episode happened, I just about jumped off the couch and immediately wanted to talk to you uh, <laughs> because I knew I knew this was going to be something you were jazzed about. And spoilers on, uh, <laughs> we got uh, Superboy, uh, Connor Kent, a, a Connor Kent style Superboy from Reign of the Superman Superboy. Uh, I, I really, really dug uh, the reveal on that. You know him coming coming forth from from the Bizarro world. I just dug it an awful lot. Yeah, so tell it, tell me, Wayne. Tell me how how how, how high pitched was your squeal? <laughs> well, and I was excited earlier in the episode too, because you saw the uh, the news article about the Man of Steel referring yeah. to Steel, and then you uh -huh. had uh, Jordan out doing the Superman, uh -huh. you know, Superboy thing out there, and it's like they're doing Reign of the Supermen. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, then he. Then you get uh, one. Jordan. We've already had Eradicator, right? I mean, yeah. so yeah. And then you get cool. Jordan show up in the jacket, and it makes sense in the Bizarro verse. The other brother would have powers, right? Right. I I just think the show is super cool. But, you know, when when we started off, I wasn't real wild about the casting, but I got to tell you, the casting is working. I was so wrong. Uh, I feel like the show, the uh, showrunners, directors, producers, etc. on this show have just done a marvelous job making a superhero show on the CW that is not a CW superhero show. Yeah, I very I, much enjoy this. I will say season three. They're not going to bait and switch me again. Whoever <laughs> I think it is, it's not going to be really them. That's right. That's right. They've done it two seasons in a row. They successfully tricked me. It was really clever. I mean, you thought that guy coming up from the ground was doomsday. And then it's Bizarro Superman. I, yeah. I just and and like I said, you know, I it's a really unique take on Bizarro. Uh, I, I'm digging it. I'm digging. It. I don't I don't want to reveal too much because there's a lot there to enjoy. But uh, the 
the presence of the cult seems aimed at uh, Smallville and you know the actor who played Chloe. I mean, yeah. it feels very much aimed at that. You know, the the Nexium, I think, is the name of that cult. Um, I, it seems very aimed at that, and I, I appreciate that. You know, I see what you're doing there. Uh, I, it's a it's a terrific show. I don't want to be a, just all fanboy about it, but it is just a terrific show. It is something that I that I do enjoy letting it spool up on my DVR so that I can burn through four episodes at a time. And I just wanted to cry when I saw that it was going to be later in April before we got uh, fresh episodes. Yeah, I'm hoping this is the last delay of the season. I imagine it will be, because I, I imagine they don't have a whole lot of episodes left. Well, so here's but... the bad thing. While you guys were talking, oh dear. <clears throat> I was reading that the season finale of Superman and Lois is scheduled for June. Ugh. So I guess it depends on how many episodes <laughs> that are left um, between now and June, because the, the season finale is not scheduled until like mid-June. Now, Paul, did you watch season one? I watched episode one of season uh, one. Um, yeah, yeah I, it's funny. I just, it's something that I was, and I genuinely enjoyed it. Um, yeah. But I just never, I, I just didn't stick with it because it, I don't know, time got away from me. And then it, it yeah. just, you know, and, and honestly, I think what hurt me was the break. Um, yeah. You know, it was like, okay, well, now they're, I'll, I'll just wait till it's all done. And now season two is. I guess I have two more months because it says episode 10 of season two is set to air on April 26th after a three week hiatus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the late June, late June is when the, the season finale is, but yeah, I mean, it, the, I don't know why the scheduling is so bad. I guess it's, you know, I understand in season one, it was COVID related. It's now, still COVID in season two. Is it? Yeah. It just seems and to had me you been like, listening to our conversation, Paul, you would have heard Wayne say that initially. I heard him, but I just didn't. I wasn't <laughs> sure it was still COVID. But you didn't believe. You didn't no, believe it's him. still COVID. Questionable source that Wayne. <laughs> yes. <laughs> can you blame me? <laughs> Your advantage to waiting, Paul, though, is now you can binge it. On you HBO can just Max. watch. Yeah, you can watch it episode after episode after well, episode. And if you've not been putting it on your DVR, it'll be on HBO Max as soon as the uh, season is over. So. You can always do it there, too. But I, it's it's super good. And, you know, I know we talked about this last week, but I'll just throw out another uh, tip for Pennyworth, also streaming on HBO Max. Uh, I am almost done with season two. It is so good. It is so good. Can't recommend it enough. I don't know. I'm going to have to make a choice. I'm going to have to choose. Start with Pennyworth. Blaze oh. through. Go to Lois and Superman and Lois. Okay. I mean, that 15-episode first season... I don't know. That's kind of over my limit on on season. It is so good. <laughs> it's so good. I cannot. I cannot begin to express how good it is. Well, speaking Just of say. shows that I'm behind on, I'm already behind on Moon Knight. Um, I have well, not I can, seen I, this week's I, yet. I can understand that. You know, given my experience in the first episode, I uh, forgot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> about it on Friday. You know, typically we record on Saturday and I forgot about, about watching it on Friday, but uh watched it this morning before we recorded and I got to say could have skipped it. <laughs> could have oh. skipped it. You know, my my argument from last week was that it felt like it was too drawn out uh you know that I wanted my moon night earlier in the episode. Um and they did the same fucking thing in episode two. 
Uh, you know, you don't really, you get more of him and you get two versions of him. Um, but again, we spend so much of the episode with Stephen Grant and that's not the guy I'm tuning in for. I'm tuning in for Mark Spector. I'm tuning in for Moon Knight. Uh, and I'm just really frustrated that they keep moving the cheese. So that's my review of, of episode two of uh, Moon Knight. I just, I'm, I'm frustrated with how they're telling the story. I know a lot of people are like angry about the comedy on the show and how much they add, particularly things like uh, the Mr. Knight form falling over after he lands. That but didn't could, bother me. I mean, yeah. it, was his first, it was his first experience in that I like form. It. And I, I don't have a problem with the characterization. I don't have a problem with the writing other than the writing impacting the pacing as it is. Uh, I just, I, I want to see, we're two episodes into what, a six episode series? Um, and so we're a third of the way in and we haven't seen the guy be competent at all, except in just little glimpses. Um, I, I just find that super irritating. Yeah, I finding so the show comes out on Wednesdays and I don't realize that and didn't watch it until like yesterday. Yeah. yeah, I, don't even, I, yeah I don't even know I, what I, day of the week it comes out on versus some of the other shows. I'm watching the morning they come out. Well, yeah, I think I, one of the reasons can, for that and, I, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Aaron. Well, but you did. But I did. did. I, well, technically, I do mean to cut you off. Because I was going to say something better than you anyway. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I think one of the reasons that it is, that it doesn't become required viewing the day it comes out is because no one on social media is really, you know, blowing up social media to, to spoil this week's Moon Knight. And I think that's partly because it's so removed from the greater Marvel Universe and partly because nothing has genuinely moved the story needle yet. That you're not, you know, by if you wait, you're not really missing anything yet. Yeah. Well, and unlike some of the other shows, there's really nothing that would have spoiled it. Like, you could have told me the entire plot of the episode, and it wouldn't have been a spoiler. Yeah. And we had a similar conversation about Star Trek Discovery on our Star Trek podcast. Like, sometimes, you know, the, it, you can have the entire episode spoiled and not be pissed off about it because, there, you know, there's nothing... Revel revelatory going on in these episodes but i mean they, they do say episode four is the big one but at the same time that's two-thirds of the way in yeah episode four is always the big one on these marvel shows yeah well i, I just i just wish that they would that there were things i enjoyed about the episode but i just spent so much time being frustrated i'm like okay well, you've given me essentially a one movie Right. You know, between episodes one and two, you've given me a movie and really nothing meaningful has happened. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, the character finding out that he's not who he thought he was. But we knew that in the first 15 minutes of the first episode. So they've drawn this out over two episodes, almost two hours of content. And I'm just like, God, I'm frustrated by this. You know, this is not how they should be telling the story. Yeah. I, I need to see I need to see more Moon Knight doing cool Moon Knight shit uh, versus what I'm seeing. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I enjoyed, you know, the two different versions of Moon Knight we get, but we didn't get near enough of either one of them. Also, I didn't enjoy the invisible fighting. Uh, I don't want to see uh, somebody you know being manhandled by something invisible. I want to see the re I want to see what he's seeing. Stop yeah. showing me what other people are saying. You could have given me one glimpse of what other people are saying. I didn't need to spend the entire fight 
just seeing uh, the invisible guy whooping up on Moon Knight. I didn't yeah. care for that one. I watched it with my wife, and she's like, I wonder where they spent the uh, special effects budget, because it wasn't this fight. Yeah, I didn't care for it at all. So yeah, I'm I just did. disappointed. I, I, I really want to enjoy this show. I love the character of Moon Knight. I really think that Marvel can do something cool here. Uh, so far, they're not. So I found the invisible fight annoying, except for when uh, some liquid gets poured over the thing. Mm-hmm. I do always love that when something invisible is seen because of uh, like liquid or something poured over. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I enjoy that in a fight, but I do. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy this. Just saying. Just saying. So, Paul, you can continue not watching. No, I'm going to watch it. It's Moon Knight. Moon Knight is one of my favorite <laughs> characters. I love Moon Knight. I am hopeful that the show will, will turn around. I'll get caught up in time for next week's episode. Well, you know, and hopefully the show will continue to just get better. Because, you know, sometimes these Marvel shows get better in quality over time. Sometimes they get worse. But hopefully this is one that gets better. Um, unlike Devil's Reign, which is the, the most recent Marvel crossover event. It's hard to call it an event because nothing really happened. Um <laughs> Uh, so Devil's Reign ended this week, which was the big Chip Zdarsky, you know, Daredevil crossover where Kingpin is mayor of New York. He uses the power of the Purple Men to turn New Yorkers against the superheroes um, in an event that's pretty much self-contained and didn't really affect anywhere else in the greater Marvel Universe and really ended with, uh, with much ado about nothing, quite frankly. I mean, Daredevil's brother died. I didn't even know he had a brother. Uh, Mike Murdoch. So, so I did some research on that one. <laughs> you had because, to research it. That's my point. Yeah, because my feeling reading this book was like, this book to really have any impact, you had to be a regular Daredevil reader because it wasn't a big crossover. It was a Daredevil story that should have happened in the regular pages of Daredevil. It should have, yeah. The brother thing, apparently, the Inhuman reader had read some of uh, Murdoch's like notes about. His fake brother, because he, he used to use that as a persona for himself. And Reader made him exist as a thing. And then they got a Nordstone and rewrote history to make him a thing. Oh. So he is he was a artificial twin brother gotcha. that now has been killed. And I don't know if Daredevil... Like, Daredevil seems really upset about it. But when he interacts with him, he seems to really hate him. Yeah. And it's like what is the deal does he like him does he hate him does he hate him but you don't mess with family i not sure but i did not have any of the impact his death is supposed to have seemed to have made because it didn't mean anything to me yeah this story you know the six issue story basically the impetus is that daredevil has done a has done a mind wipe on the greater Marvel Universe, you know, very no, no, no Way Home, not No Way Home, um, Brand New Day, you know, where Daredevil has removed everyone's memory of Matt Murdock being Daredevil. And Kingpin knows that he knew at one point, and he knows there's a space in his memory, and he uses the power of the Purple Man to remember that Matt Murdock is Daredevil. Meanwhile, he's also mayor of New York. And, you know, so, you know, that, that's kind of the, the, the what started the storyline off. And, and by the end of the storyline, Kingpin, you know, has has basically gone off with um, Typhoid Mary on a, you know, to, to be alone, to, to basically retire, get away from, from the rest of the world. and Which and, was another story point that just, it okay. felt like we're supposed to care, 
But the whole time I was wondering, is he just married to her because of her powers? But apparently he loves her. Apparently. Again, it just, it didn't earn any of the emotional beats. Yeah, th- this book was very much like a paint-by-numbers um, storyline. And, and maybe, like you said, maybe it would have been better if it was Daredevil's issues 70 through 75 or something like that. But as a... as a, We wouldn't have bought story, it. We wouldn't have bought it, and I wouldn't be having this conversation. Because ultimately, I care just as much having read this story as I would have not reading this story. And I know that sounds harsh, but this, they're nothing really, this book is, I'm going to forget this book five minutes after this conversation. The only thing, the only takeaway from me for this book, one, I mean, other than the art, the art by Marco Cicchetto was great. Um, But the only takeaway is that at the end of the book, Daredevil has joined um, with Elektra to um, restart the fist to take down the hand. And I feel like maybe that's a setup for Daredevil leading the fist against Punisher leading the hand because they're set. You know, the Punisher is now the leader of the hand in in his book, and maybe that's a setup for for something there. But again, this is another crossover that's a setup for another crossover. Yeah, I was thinking that, and the only takeaway I had for it really is it looks like Luke Cage is going to be the mayor going forward. Yeah, Luke Cage is going to be the mayor of New York City, and it's who cares. <laughs> who cares that's how i feel about it and I... yeah, well and the sad thing is there was potential for this story the idea that kingpin is upset because his mind has been messed with that's an interesting setup yeah but we you saw know, it in identity a... crisis and we saw it done better you know and that that story actually had stakes right so yeah it's like the potential was there and it just did not live up to it and gave us a story that if you don't read daredevil we just don't care yeah so it's a shame because, you know, like I said, it started off, I think, I, you know, we were hesitant on the first issue because it was so much Civil War. And it really didn't go that way, but it didn't necessarily go an interesting way either. So, you know, I, I, I should have spent that time reading Wonder Woman Historia, but I did not read Wonder Woman Historia. You know, we talked about issue one. I think it's a quarterly book. We talked about it a few months back about how much we loved it and the gorgeous art. But I knew, you know, this is a big meaty, meaty book. It's 82 digital or 62 digital pages. Yeah. And more if you're reading it in print, because, uh, you know, several of those digital pages are counted once that are actually uh, double page spreads. Mm -hmm. So it's probably more like 65, 67 pages. So uh, what did you guys think? I will say it didn't feel like it this week as much as it did the first issue. Like the first issue, I felt how long it was and how dense it didn't feel as dense. I don't know if it's just because I was enjoying what I was reading or not. I am very conflicted about issue two, uh, not in terms of story. I think the uh, to uh, Wayne's point, I think the book reads really well and it's not. I feel like uh, Kelly Sue had to teach me how to read the book uh, in the first issue. Um, it was, I found the book challenging and I had to come back to it a couple of times, very much enjoyed issue one, but I, I did find that book challenging, um, uh, to read the story moves really well. What I found where, where my conflict lies and in, in my feelings about this book, uh, Gene Haw does the artwork and, uh, I did not find the artwork nearly as compelling, dynamic interesting inventive uh nearly as much as the phil jimenez artwork in the prior issue it was much more standard art this issue 
Well, and I, I, I was trying to figure out what bothered me about it because I love Gene Haas' style. Um, and I was, I was, I was trying to, to you know, uh, disassemble the artwork and figure to, to determine what was bothering me. And I think what's bothering me are the colors. I don't think the book is well colored. Um, there is there the artwork is is all really strong. The design and layout, and yeah, I would say it's not nearly as dynamic as as uh, Jimenez's layouts. Um, but the the artwork in so many places, you know, a lot of the book happens at night, and the art the the color palette for night just gets really murky. And I get that that part of that is mood and tone that the colorist is trying to support. But I think there are more interesting ways to achieve that with a more dynamic, vibrant uh, choice of colors. It just felt like some of the pages were needlessly dark. Um, and, and, and that's what bothered me about this book. And I, I think that's kind of challenging when you've got three different artists uh, doing each of these books, you know, you got Jimenez in the first book, you've got Gene Ha in the second book and Nicola Scott's going to do the third. Um, I, I, I think, I think there needs to be a better transition between these artists. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I was going to mention about it was that uh, the first book was a very stylized art. Yes. And highly. This is very much more normal. Like yeah. it does get a little stylized in a few areas when you're dealing with the gods. Yes, but nothing I think that's like very, the first issue. I think that's very effective. Like you know, there are uh, there. I'm looking at one image here with Hippolyta reclining, and there's you know a giant peacock there with her. I think those pages are gorgeous. You know, the stuff on Mount Olympus is just gorgeous. I think there's also a nice transition from the statue of Apollo to Apollo himself. There are moments in the book that really work visually, and but there are a ton of elements that don't, in my opinion. Um, now, the story itself, uh, the genesis of the uh, tribe of Amazons that Hippolyta leads uh, is super interesting. Um, you know, you're getting to meet these women who, you know, are her original band of sisters, as it were, women that she helps liberate. And, you know, you, you see the story of Tarpeia whose uh, infraction uh, against Apollo, um, she kills a boy in Apollo's temple while the boy is praying to Apollo, uh, you know, and you're like, mm, I've seen Clash of Titans. I know how this is going to play out. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it was uh, so effective because you see why she did it. You know why right. she did it. Right. And the other stopped her the first time she goes to do it. Yeah. And, you know, she it, <clears throat> it would have been fine if she'd done it at night. I mean, we find out why most of the book is set at night later in the book, because that's when the gods aren't watching. Right. That they can they can because uh, Hakate and Artemis are you know stronger at night, they're able to protect the Amazons. But but you know, daytime is Apollo's time. And so, you know, she kills the boy in the middle of the day in Apollo's temple while he's praying to Apollo. Uh, all of these things are bad, bad, bad. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's a great story. I mean, and the 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 end of the book, the very last page of the book, where Zeus is sending down his punishment, you can see him sending it down through his various gods all the way down to Hercules um, taking shape at the bottom of the book. And this rain of swords falling down um, towards the Amazons. It is just a you're like, oh, shit. 
smooth move, Tarpea. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, I, 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 it's a really good book. I, I just had some trouble with the artwork. So yeah, it, it is definitely jarring from the first issue. Like yeah. it wasn't so bad reading it with a huge space. Mm-hmm. I think in trade, it's going to be a huge I think it'll be a, a, jar. Yeah. It'll be a, a big shift uh, from uh, chapter to chapter because the, 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 the artwork is so very different from what uh, Jimenez did in the, in the first book. Uh, I'm interested in seeing what Nicola Scott does though. And that book is due out in fall of this year. So you got a couple of months before, uh, before that one comes out damn yeah well and speaking of uh art transitions right um batman issue 122 came out this week it's the second part yeah. of that shadow war storyline and you know the first issue we we really loved upon loved the art from victor bogdanovic very great capullo-esque um mm-hmm. the art by howard porter very different in yes. style now again it's a different book it's you know it's crossing over into multiple books so it's a little bit different than like a mini series but um definitely a different style not in a bad way though i actually liked the no. howard porter art no i thought it was i thought it worked I, I very much enjoyed it i mean the you know the thing that i find jarring is when like for instance you'll see damien look like a like like a boy yeah you know in uh the earlier issue and shadow War, shadow army alpha shadow, war, shadow alpha. war yeah shadow war alpha and then you see him in this and he looks like a young man i'm just like come on can we just can we have a uh you know a uh house a, a standard yeah yeah house style for damien because boy it sure is jarring to see that yeah because in this but, issue he very much looked like um i you know 17 18 yeah maybe but yeah. you know in the other book he was more age he appropriate. 12 yeah 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 but uh, that being you know despite the art differences aaron i just I genuinely liked this issue. Oh, this book is great. It really continues forth from from everything I enjoyed about you know Shadow War Alpha. Uh, it 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 continued the tone. It made it super interesting. I, I dug it. I liked this book a lot. And I particularly go ahead. I, I know you go. I was going to say I think for me it's the tone that sells me on this book more so than anything yeah. else because you know it could be a very serious storyline right we've, we've yeah. seen batman storylines over the, these last few years that like the joker war and stuff like that that one half of the damn storyline is in his head but two you know very dour and you know depressing um in in tone this one could could be very much that right with the death of Rachel ghoul and everyone in mourning and revenge and anger but yeah. it's just a lot of fun i mean the, the name yeah. of this issue is shadow war part two too many effing ninjas yeah, you know, there were there were a lot of ninjas. There were a lot of ninjas, and they all got <laughs> blown up. Um, you know, it, but it's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of action, good characterization, a lot of swashbuckling. I yeah. mean, there there really is a, just a, a ridiculous amount of swashbuckling. And I love how you know Talia is very much Batman's ex girlfriend that he knows he shouldn't hook up with, mm-hmm. but he hooks up with her anyway. Yeah, you know, because because why? Nobody fucks like crazy. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and uh, it's it's you know one of the things that bugged me and the only thing that i was going to say that a negative about this book because i i truly enjoyed the hell out of the storyline to the point that like i'm looking forward to the next part even though it's in deathstroke you know it, it's that's I, that's the only thing about this uh this uh, uh crossover that's got me concerned is i'm gonna have to buy a goddamn deathstroke yeah. book but as long as it keeps the consistent tone and feel I think I'm okay. Um, but my frustration with it is 
I actually liked the backup story. It's called Secret Meetings, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Trevor Hairsign. It's kind of the first meeting of Batman and Deathstroke. Um, I, I actually enjoyed it, but damn it, I wish DC would just just drop the books to three ninety nine again because these uh-huh. backup stories don't further anything. They they are literally just. I don't I don't want to discount. You know, the, the hard work that goes into them. But I do want to say a lot of them basically feel like catalog stories that are, you know, broken yeah. up to to give the, to force the reader to pay $5 for their comics. When we don't, it's like if you just dropped it, mm-hmm. I you know, don't, don't, because it, it, it's not part of the main storyline other than the fact that Deathstroke's yeah. in it. The yeah. only one that I seem to have enjoyed is the backup uh, punchline story in Joker. You know, and that one, I mean, I understand that one a little bit more, even though, honestly, I wish it was just a separate damn book. Because, I mean, I, I, I don't want to pay $5 for Joker either. I just want to, I just kind of want the books that I want. And I understand that DC is doing this to kind of, like, they if they sold a separate punchline book or a separate, you know, Batman versus Deathstroke, it probably wouldn't sell as well as the Batman book, right? They're they're getting the stories yeah. out there. They're, they're making five, they're making extra money off of their main titles. But it frustrates the hell out of me because so many of these backup stories, I just, I just skip. I, I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, the only thing that, that I would say is that I actually dug the secret meetings backup story. I did too. Uh, it, did, it didn't bother me, but I agree it didn't need to be in the book. Um, I also agree that I probably wouldn't buy it on its own. Um, and but but I did I, I I like the artwork I like the storytelling I like the size of the story but Paul you know when you said you didn't care for the backup I thought for sure you were talking about Flashpoint Beyond Number Zero written by Jeff Johns with art by Eduardo Riso because I loved this oh yeah this, so Wayne this uh, little special sneak preview of Flashpoint Beyond yeah <laughs> looks awesome yeah Wayne yeah, did you pick I, up I any had... DC books that had that preview I did and I had zero interest in Flashpoint Beyond until reading the preview. Yeah. Well, I love that it's not only related to Flashpoint, but also Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Um, because you know they they brought in the the two punch. Was it Punch and Judy? Is that the character? I don't remember the character. Marionette. Name. Oh, Marionette. And, yeah. and I don't know his name. And mime. The mime. Yeah, yeah, Marionette and the mime. Yeah, and they brought those characters in who were you know created by Jeff Johns for Doomsday Clock. The artist by Eduardo Riso, who did one of the most iconic Flashpoint tie-ins. Um, and you know, no one does. A, uh, a, a you know a, a chalkboard preview of storylines mm-hmm. to come better than Jeff Johns like that's the guy who invented that <laughs> essentially yeah. and so it's hot it's, it's really yeah. hot I, I love how it says 5G averted like you know like yeah they, they got rid of that yeah yeah we got rid of Dan D- Dan DiDio <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> 5G averted by slowly rolling it out anyway yeah because yeah. most of it has come to pass. And his daughter will I, rejoin I, I, Justice Society to save it? Like, whose daughter? Rejoin Justice Society. Is that Stargirl? I, I'm assuming that's going to be Jade. Oh, Jade. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But regardless, it's it, it's hot. It, it is a hot preview. Yeah. And and yeah. Flashpoint Beyond Issue Zero actually comes out next week. Oh, I can't wait. Anyway. Yeah, I would not have picked it up if it wasn't for the preview, but I'm picking it up because of the preview. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely, I'm psyched for that, of course, because Jeff Johns is one of my favorite comic writers of all yeah. time. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. And, you know, this week, um, you know, you, you won't find it on Comixology, but friend of the podcast, friend of Funny Books, Jake Parker, 
who, um, if you if you don't follow Jake Parker on Instagram, you are doing yourself a disservice. Um, Jake Parker is the creator of Missile Mouse, um, but also has created a, a slew of other characters. Characters like Skull Chaser. He did a, 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 a kind of a middle grade um, graphic novel called Skyheart, I think. Um, and he does technology drawings so so spectacularly you know like ship designs and, and things like that robots he, he does super detailed great work his robots are great yeah. yeah well this week he announced on um I, i'm on his newsletter but you know mm-hmm. if you follow him on instagram he also announced it there redshift renegades um is a new comic by jake parker the first issue is five dollars and you can get from his website and features Missile Mouse and Skull Chaser um, in, together in one book where Missile Mouse is, is on the hunt for Skull Chaser. Um, and it, it's a lot of fun. It's gorgeous art. Um, and, you know, I love the character designs of both of those characters. We talked with uh, Jake Parker when the first Missile Mouse book came out. And like I said, I mean, it's a bunch of spaceships and aliens and great drawings. And it's just a short, fun book. Um, definitely, you know, definitely not a one shot. The first issue ends on a cliffhanger, so I'm assuming there's more coming. Um, oh, have you read it already? Yeah, I read it already. I picked it up this week. Um, and now the only thing that I will say is, um, it, you know, it is uh, the digital copy. I don't know if it's available in print, but uh, the digital is PDF. Not my preferred reading format, yeah. um, but you know, at the same time, you can if you are reading on an iPad, you can download the PDF um, ex- and export it to or import it to your apple books library that's usually where i read my pdfs just because it's a you know an easier um like reading format for me right so red shift renegades um jake parker dot com so i definitely recommend checking it out i i i really the art is just colorful and fun and i I just it's it this type of book scratched me where i itch that's great i'm I'm gonna check that out because i do enjoy me some jeff parker jeff parker Sorry, Jeff Parker, not Jake Parker. No, it is Jake Parker. (laughs) It is Jake Parker. Jeff Parker is the writer. Jake Parker. (laughs) And we we did that when we were interviewing them. They are both (laughs) friends of funny books. (laughs) Uh, Good stuff. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, um, as I mentioned, the Flashpoint Beyond Issue Zero comes out next week from DC Comics from Jeff Johns. And um, Eduardo Riso, I'm super psyched for that book. Um, also from DC Comics, you get new issues of uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El. I believe the next part of Shadow War, Deathstroke um, Incorporated, comes out. Uh, from Marvel Comics, you get the newest issue of Captain Carter. I don't remember if you guys liked issue one or not, but if you did, issue two comes out. It was fine. It was fine. <laughs> um, and, and just also very exciting is Radio Spaceman Issue 2 from Dark Horse Comics uh, and Mike Mignola. Yes. yes. We really yes. enjoyed the first issue. I think Aaron was the only one who had actually read it um, and yep. then recommended we're, it to the rest of us, and we loved it, too. We're going to need you to remind us, Aaron, because we're going to have a hard we're gonna have a hard time <laughs> finding it on the Comixology site. Yeah. Can do. Will help. <laughs> All that and more next yeah. week. Good deal. Hey, uh, the the current volume of magic order concluded this week or, or last it was awfully good just a just a, a really terrifically illustrated 
terrifically told story uh, in that Magic Order universe. Highly recommend it, uh, folks. Uh, it'll be collected here soon, so you might want to wait for the trade. But uh, it, it is awfully darn good. Check that out. All right. All right. Well, hey, guys, uh, maybe Paul will, uh, you know, get himself some bourbon uh, before next time. But, you know, we want to know if you got some Pappy Van Winkle in the ABC lottery there in Virginia. Give us a call. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, we'll let you be a proxy for Paul in the next Virginia ABC <laughs> bourbon uh, lottery. Yeah, make sure, if, if you did win the Pappy Lottery, make sure to leave your address on the uh, Ideology of Madness <laughs> hotline. Yeah, you can also hit us up at IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. What a deal. Well, let's do it all over again next week, guys. Catch you then podcast theme music graciously provided by mark andrew pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com funny books with aaron and polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com no spider-man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast